Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Spring is moving on despite the cool weather. Spring crops in particular are looking well at the moment. However, the wet spell is hindering crop agronomy actions and there are many jobs which are now edging towards urgent. Success for any grower is to complete these jobs and keep the crop growing strongly. All growers are aware disease control is needed in spring barley. However, selecting the correct product and timing will determine if the farmer gets value for money. I'm delighted today to be joined by Own Lines, the Chagas Malt Programme Advisor and Deirdre Doyle, a researcher in Chagas Oak Park. Owen, can I first come to you? How are crops looking at the moment and are there any agronomic problems evident out in the field? For the most part, crops aren't looking too bad. You know, they've improved substantially in the past 10 to 14 days. Uh, you know, many were struggling there for a period when, when we had that low temperature and rainfall. Um, and, and it was leading to large amount of stress and, and micronutrient deficiencies were fairly common in crops. But, you know, since the arrival of that rain, the growth has really picked up. Um, and although temperatures, you know, they're still a little below average uh, for the time of year, tillers have formed well uh, and there's no major disease to report um, coming through on them tillers. And look, uh, the long range weather looks like that there might be a pickup in the weather uh, in, the, in the temperatures going forward. So hopefully we'll get another burst of growth there. But I suppose the real concern now is that, you know, it, it's, get, it's very tricky to get spraying done there at the moment. Um, and spraying is backing up on farms, uh, you know, that them constant showers, are, they're, they're, not, um, they're not very good for getting, for getting spraying carried out. So hopefully uh, over the next few days now, the, the weather might settle down and work might continue out in the field. Okay, um, so I suppose as you mentioned yourself, there, there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of dry weather. Crops were very stressed. Farmers think rightly didn't um, didn't move on crops at all in terms of of applying any uh, sprays, herbicides, or fungicides. Um, and uh, since the weather took up and crops recovered, now I suppose uh, crops are at a stage where they need uh, these kind of actions. Is there is there a lot of those uh, crops that have? Pretty much everything to do on them at the moment so herbicides uh, fungicides wild oat sprays are they kind of all there kind of waiting for guys or or, or where are we at yeah it's, it's nearly a, a mix of everything uh depending on what stage the crop is at because you're right in what you were saying there you know um, people are trying to stay off crops as much as they could because you know hitting with a herbicide and, and then them frosty nights was never going to be um ideal like you know but uh look for them for them i'd say for the majority of crops you know, uh, wild oats is, as they're stacking up there and the broadleaf herbicide. Um, but look, just to focus, I suppose, on them crops that, that haven't got a spray to date and, and where wild oats need to be treated um, in fields. Look, the best course of action there would be to go and apply the wild oat herbicide first uh, and then come back then at that mid to late hillering stage and apply the broadleaf herbicide uh, along with fungicide. And look, I suppose the reason for taking this approach is, is that uh, where the wild oat herbicide has been applied first, we only have to wait seven days uh, before we can go back in with a hormonal-based broadleaf herbicide. However, if we switch that around and go with your hormonal-based herbicide first, the interval is 21 days uh, before we can go back in with our wild oat herbicide. Um, so look, I think by having to wait that long, we run the risk maybe of the canopy of the, the, the spring barley kind of closing in and we mightn't get control of them wild oats, especially if temperatures uh, increase that bit and we get a burst of growth. And look, I suppose there, there might be some situations where wild oats, they mightn't be an issue, but look for on them fields, there won't be too many, most spring barley fields in the southeast probably will, will need to con- uh, an application of wild oat herbicide. 
but the best course of action here I think would still be to apply that herbicide along with your first fungicide at that mid to late tillering stage uh, and just a word of caution I suppose if, if this is the, the route that that farmers will be taking to that rates maybe have to increase of that herbicide because your weeds there will be that bit stronger uh, and control you know it might be that might be that bit harder um, to control the, these weeds when they are that bigger uh, in the crop. Owen, uh, just in terms of uh, the farmers, might be a number to make there who are under pressure for one reason or another. And um, uh, is there a possibility that they can use the broadleaved weed spray and the wild oats all in the same tank? And it, you know, in terms of the experience that you might have with that, how has it been? Yeah, I suppose firstly you can if you're not using the hormonal-based broadleaf herbicide, it can be mixed. But the only thing is that you'd have to use the 0.6 rate of Axial Pro if you're going with Axial. Um, just that the higher rate will need to be controlled than wild oats. And you're right, if if you are on, under time constraints to get all your actions carried out on the crop, it could be a good course of action. Um, you know, just just to get the weeds controlled at the right point. But look, a word of caution, you know. It is a lot of chemistry there in the one tank, um, and it could be it could be stressful on the crop. But hopefully, you know that the crops have come out of that stressful period, and and if we do get a sort of an increase in temperature, that that stress might be limited, even if you do go with that uh, course of action. I suppose the key thing for that really is um, strong growth before you apply it on, and and a good strong growth thereafter, and it'll shake it off pretty quick. Yeah, look, it goes back to that that three to four days before you apply uh, go growth and three to four days after, like, like we kind of always say when applying herbicides to two crops. Okay. Deirdre, can I come to you? And you're very welcome to the podcast. Um, there's a number of varieties out there this year, which were sown as spring barley and planet is probably one with the largest area out there. Perhaps maybe you might um, maybe look down through a number of the varieties with us and um, give us an idea if there's any weaknesses in terms of disease issues for these varieties that, that a farmer should be looking out for. I suppose just, just to start really with, with the weather conditions, really, uh, like Owen was saying there, um, the temperatures and all have been quite cool over the last few weeks there. So the level of disease in general is is quite low um, in crops there. Uh, there. There might be some um, levels of wrinkle or, or net blotch in different crops, uh, depending on the variety you've grown. Um, but when it comes to the you know knowing what disease you're going to have it is a very good idea to know the you know the strengths and the weaknesses of the variety that you have sown um, so that way you can match the the resistance rating of the variety and um, with the likelihood of a particular disease developing um, so for instance uh, like you're saying planet there there's there's quite a large area of planet um, planted this year and um, it is um, it is quite weak for net blotch and um, there it has only a, a, a rating of five there on the department list so it, it is quite quite weak for net blotch so that would need to keep an eye on that there and then you know the likes of gangware or erigal there um they they have a good rating against net blotch so that that shouldn't really be an issue but um all varieties are likely to get um, a certain amount of wrinkle in them particularly if we have the, the right weather conditions um and just when it you know when it comes to deciding the type of fungicide program you want to use on your on your crop it, it is very important to get out there and, and walk that crop first just to know what disease is actually there and so that way you can you can tailor what fungicide program um, you could use um, depending on the disease variety that you're, you're using. Okay, and you mentioned Planet had a bit of a weakness to net blotch. Um, is there some resistance issues in terms of fungicides to, uh, to, to net blotch? And maybe if there is, you might out outline how bad is it or how, how extensive is it? Um, and um, basically how will that influence what 
particular fungicides a farmer is going to choose? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, we, we do know that there are some resistance issues out there um, against not uh, net blotch, um, particularly for the strobilurins and also an element of the STHIs as well. Um, it is mainly this, the strobilurins that have been um, affected, uh, in particular um, azoxystrobin, so um, the likes of Amistar. Um, this is due to the F129L mutation, which um, has, has uh, caused some resistance issues there for net blotch. Um, there is also uh, some resistance uh, to the STHIs as well. Now, it's, it's not as bad as the, the strobilurin resistance, however, um, the STHIs aren't, they're definitely not showing the, the level of control that we would like to see there. Um, but when it comes to trying to control net blotch in your crop, then um, I suppose like, like with all diseases, we would advise, you know, you, you use a mix, uh, a mix of actives. This is the best strategy, you know, not to rely on, on one active in particular. Um, however, uh, if you have a, a, a net blotch problem, like, you know, if you have um, planet zone there, the, the best actives really to use there would be the likes of pathiconazole. So, you know, your, your proline um, mixed with uh, a strobilurin such as um, pyroclostrobin, which would be the likes of your modem or comet, or trifloxystrobin, which um, is found in Zephyr. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the, the, the protio and, and the strob mix there, but the, the pyroclostrobin or the trifloxystrobin would be on the, the better ones to use there. Um, and uh, just uh, I'm mainly net blotch, all right, but just when it comes, if you have wrinkle in your crop, um, you can all, you know, using a, a pathio STHI mix is the, your best option there. So something like, you know, your uh, Seltras or Alatazirs and um, that sort of thing, because the, the, both the proline and the STHI will give a good control of the, the wrinkle. Okay. Can I just go back a second? You mentioned at the very start there that um, there is resistance issues with strobs. Yes, you're recommending that we use something like Proline plus a strob. Mm -hmm. How come? It's mainly because the so while we do have resistance issues to strobs and um, the azoxystrobin and circus in the amistar that is the one that has been mainly affected due, uh, by this mutation. However, the um, the pyroclostrobin or the trifloxystrobins um, haven't been affected quite as as much. So uh, these are still working quite well against net blotch, uh, particularly when combined with the likes of um, pathiconazole, because that will also help to back up the strobs for the control of net blotch. Okay, that's great. Hey, Owen, can I come back to you just for a second? Uh, Deirdre mentioned that, that there might be a, some level of disease out there at the moment. Um, what are you seeing all the way across the, the, the southeast and is there... If there is any great issues, is there a necessity for farmers to act quickly? Yeah, look, from what I've seen, I don't think there's any major issues to report um, at the moment in stirring barley across most of the varieties now we've seen. Um, you know, I think many growers were thinking there with the large increase in rainfall over the past time that, that there might have been a good bit of pressure on spring barley, especially maybe the early sown, um, Mar early March sown crops. But I think, look, them temperatures that because they've kind remain kind of below normal, you know, it's slow in that progression of disease. Um, what I am seeing maybe is a small bit of carryover micronutrient deficiencies um, from that dry cold time, you know, like manganese and magnesium. Um, you know, but but as I said, a lot of crops it has alleviated in that past 10 to 14 days when they have got that bit of rain. 
Uh, look, I suppose as regards treatment uh, on the farms that, that I've been around to, um, I'd say mo- the, the majority of that spring barley crops were sown in that, that mid to late March time. Um, and they're reaching kind of are at that mid to late tillering stage now. And they are at the ideal time for that first fungicide to be applied to protect tillers and to try and prevent that disease coming in. Um, you know, and, and once that weather takes up, maybe next week, um, it's looking like, you know, the, the, that big burst of growth. So having it protected as soon as possible uh, would be vital. Um, where there is that sort of lingering nutrient deficiencies um, where they haven't been treated, you know, you could you could try treat that at that first fungicide timing as well. Um, but look, as I said, most crops that have grown out of deficiencies and often some grow going conditions that can be as effective as anything for, for treating them to start the deficiencies. Okay. Deirdre, can I bring you back in there just in terms of um, fungicides and when you apply the fungicides to get the best out of the fungicides in terms of either disease control or yield, and obviously they're, they're, they're both uh, quite well linked. What sort of yield differences um, are there between a well-timed uh, or a poorly timed fungicide? Um, so from uh, the trial work that we've carried out over the last uh, number of years, um, we have seen differences of up to half a ton per hectare um, between um, a well-timed fungicide application and a poorly timed application. So it is very, very important to uh, get those applications on um, as close to the right time as possible. Um, I know Owen was saying the weather um, isn't exactly playing ball at the moment, but trying to um, still as important as you can to try get the the application on at, at the best timing. Um, just particularly with the this first application here, you know, at your late tillering, your, your growth stage starts you there. The the main idea behind that is, is to protect your tillers and the lower canopy of the crop. And um, this is very, very important because the, the grain number and um, so the final yield really has already been um, decided by the plant and um, the numbers of the, the number of grain in each tiller has already been decided. So you want to protect as many of these uh, tillers as possible um, early on. Um, so just because, you know, if, if, if they are left to uh, get disease into them, they, they can die and which can, you know, lead to yield loss um, in the future. But I, I also just um, another point there is if disease is allowed to develop in the crop early on um, at this stage, you you can, I suppose, increase the amount of stress that is in the crop, which could potentially increase the likelihood of ramularia in the crop later in the season. So this this early this early fungicide is, is very important from a number of points. Can I just clarify with you, Deirdre, just in terms of the half a ton? Is that is that a half a ton difference for a poorly timed, poorly or well-timed fungicide for the entire fungicide program or just the first part of the fungicide program uh it's it's the entire fungicide program really but it's it's you know if, fung- if, if timings are if, if they do you know kind of skew a little bit either way um it can be up to half a ton and um, across the whole program okay Deirdre, finally i just wanted to ask you a kind of a final question for the podcast today in terms of the rates of fungicides farmers should be using what 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 are they uh, yeah, again, so from uh, the work we've been using, uh, 50% um, rates or, or half rates of the, the actives um, should be should be perfectly sufficient there to uh, control any disease that's um, in the crop there at the moment. So are we saying 50% of um, the likes of your Proline plus Comet, or is it just 50% of... Uh, so the, yeah, so if you have a, we'll say a Proline Comet mix there, it would be, um, so half rate of each, so like a, like a 0.4... Um, uh, litres per hectare of proline and uh, 0.6 of uh, your comet. 
Okay, Deirdre, thank you very much for, for that. And Owen, thank you as well for your contribution. It's it's great to get a quick update on the disease control in Spring Barley. Thanks very much. Thanks, Michael. So that's it for the Tilly Judge. And my thanks to Deirdre and Owen for joining me on the podcast. We're in the process of planning the Oak Park Open Day at the moment, which will take place on June the 29th, 30th and July the 1st. You can only attend by booking first and details how to do this will be on the Chagas website in the coming days. So finally, don't forget if you like this podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.